Hills Community Church exist to bring glory to God by reaching people for Christ and nurturing them in the faith through inspired worship, genuine community, and passionate ministry that transforms lives in our neighborhoods and throughout the world. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. And it's so good to be together. So great being in God's presence. Great morning of worship. Great time of just being the church, the body of Christ. And last week, we kind of came to the conclusion on this great series called Making History, making his story come alive in the heart of our family. We were talking about the next generation and pouring into the next generation as parents, as grandparents, as adopted parents, as step-parents. You know, all of us, we have this opportunity to pour into those who come behind us, but also as a church family, as the body of Christ. And so we started kind of looking at, you know, what is the purpose of the church? And you think about it, it is to make his story come alive in the heart of our world, to see lives transformed for the glory of God. And so as you think about that, we are the church. We are the body of Christ today. And if you go back through history, and you go, man, you know, history's been shaped by movements, right? You've got the, the Greeks that came in to Hellenize the world. You've got the Romans. You've got communism. You've got capitalism. You've got, you know, the civil rights movement. You've got women's suffrage. You've got all these different movements that have helped shape history. But I will tell you, it is the church. It is the church that is alive. It is the church that is not just a movement or not just an organization. The church is an organism, and she is alive and moving. And God has used his church to transform the world. God has used his church to transform the world. It was churches that started schools. It was churches that started hospitals. It was churches that started hospice. It was churches that started orphanages. It's been churches that have fed the poor and the hungry and given so much because the church is the vehicle by which God uses to impact this world. And now we are the church. And the generations have come to us. And oh, that God may find us faithful as we live out the purpose of the church in our day, in our time, in our generation, as we make his story come alive in the heart of our world today. So we're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to go back to where it all kind of started here for the church in Acts chapter 2. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you open with me to Acts chapter 2. Now, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We've got some Bibles for you in the back. Love for you to grab one and uh, just keep it. It's yours. You can put your name in it. I love for it to be a gift uh, to you today. Also, we'll put scripture on the screen or some of it's in your worship guide as well if you want to take notes with us today. But I want you to see this because it's so powerful and so important for us to know what we're about today and what God's called us to be as the church of Jesus Christ today here in this place at Rolling Hills and in this generation. So Acts chapter 2 now. Acts was written by, anybody remember who wrote Acts? Luke, thank you. Way to go. Bible scholars over here. All right, so Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and Gospel of Luke is kind of volume one, right? The Gospel of Luke is like all about Jesus and Jesus' teaching ministry, his healing ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And then Acts is kind of volume two. And here we go. It's the church. And so it moves from Jesus to the church. And so here we see this, that God's work in and through the church. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is with his disciples. And right before he ascends into heaven, right before he ascends into heaven, right, he tells them, he says, but you'll be my witnesses 
You know, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. He goes, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to live this out. So Jesus comes along and he tells them this. And then we come to Acts chapter 2. And I want you to see this today. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All right, so if you're taking notes, we're going to kind of mix it up a little bit today. If you're taking notes, here's some things I want you to see. The Holy Spirit brings the church to life. Now, you may remember when Jesus was on this earth, Jesus told his disciples, he goes, hey, guys, listen, I'm going to have to go so that one greater than I will come. And if you're a disciple, you're going, what are you talking about? One greater than you. We're seeing you heal people. We're seeing the blind have sight. We're seeing you raise the dead. What are you saying? And Jesus was going, hey, get wait. Here you go. The Holy Spirit is coming. So the Holy Spirit brings the church to life. Pentecost is 50 days, right? 50 days after Jesus was crucified for us and rose from the dead. So here we have Passover that took place and Jesus was crucified on the cross, third day, praise be to God, he rose again, conquered death. He's on the earth for 40 days, appears to over 500 people, and then he ascends into heaven. And so there's this 10-day window here before Pentecost happens. And there are three major feasts that you see where Jews from all over the world would come to Jerusalem to worship. You got Passover, and the second is Pentecost, and it's 50 days after right? Every seven days is holy, so seven times seven, 49. So the 50th day, another celebration, a feast, Pentecost. So there's people from all over the world. They're there at Pentecost, right there. And it says they, and this is referring to the men and women, men and women who are following Jesus. So it goes back to Acts chapter 1. So in Acts chapter 1, there's 120 believers. And now at Pentecost, they're all huddled together Jesus has ascended into heaven, and they're all kind of looking at each other going, what do we do? I mean, we follow Jesus, we committed our lives. I mean, you've got the 11 apostles, and then they just chose Matthias to kind of take Judas's place. You've got the women who were there who followed Jesus, and these 120 believers are all together in this one room at Pentecost, and the wind and fire, the Holy Spirit comes. I mean, can you believe that? Like suddenly, suddenly the sound, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can you imagine they're all there, 120 believers, like, okay, Jesus ascended into heaven, what do we do? We're praying, God, what do you want us to do? And all of a sudden this wind blows through. The Holy Spirit, wind. Can you see the wind? No, but you can see the effects of the wind, right? So you see the wind's coming through here. They're feeling this. And then fire comes down. The purification, the identification of the Spirit of God. And I want you to see what was happening here is remarkable. The Holy Spirit indwelling all believers. The Holy Spirit indwelling all believers. So these 120 believers, the Holy Spirit comes on every one of them. Men and women, right? All Together there, Holy Spirit comes. See, guys, this is remarkable. Because back in the Old Testament, if you wanted to meet with God, you went to where God was, right? You went to the tabernacle, or you went to the temple. 
And then the incarnation, Jesus comes, right? So you want to meet with God? <laughs> you go to where Jesus is. And there's healing and there's all these things that take place. But now the Holy Spirit comes. And now the believers become the hands and feet of Christ to go and impact the world. I mean, unbelievable. You see this all unfolding right here, right now. Keep going, verse 5. It says, Now that we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Right? When the Holy Spirit came, it says all of them were filled with the Spirit, verse 4, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And now they're going outside and they're talking to people and they're telling people about Christ. And utterly amazed, verse 7, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? They're all going, what's going on here? Okay, look at these 120 believers. Something is happening. God is moving. Skip to verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. All right, guys, check this out. Remember Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. And you remember 50 days earlier when Jesus was being carried off and arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? Remember Peter was the one who was hiding. Peter was the one who was denying Jesus. Three times he denied Jesus. Don't even know him. Nope, nope, even a servant girl. Aren't you one of those who follow Jesus? Nope, not me. Uh-uh. 50 days earlier, now, Holy Spirit comes. Peter stands up. And we know where he was, right? He was on the southern steps of the temple. And there are thousands of people. And Peter stands up, and he just begins to preach. He just begins to call it out. He says, hey, guys, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. He's like, come on, guys. What are you thinking, right? You know, like, they're not drunk. I mean, look at what's happening. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, written hundreds of years before. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. He's like, guys, this is the fulfillment. This is what God's been planning the whole time. This is the church. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. He's like, one day Jesus is coming back and God's getting the world ready. God's saying, hey, look what's gonna happen. And then look at verse 21. And everyone... Notice that. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. There's not a qualifier there. There's not like if you're good enough, right? If you figure it all out, if you get perfect attendance at church, if you know every book of the Bible. It's no you calling the name of the Lord. God does the work. God does the saving. You realize your need. And Peter just goes, guys, look, it's all about the Lord. It's what God is doing. <laughs> Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you 
through him. And you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Now think about this. All this is taking place 50 days later. These people have heard about Jesus. These people saw Jesus crucified. These are the people who were there chanting and cheering. They've seen all this happen. And Peter's going, he's alive. <laughs> all of it took place because of God's plan. This didn't catch God by surprise. God had it all laid out, his deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. And you think that's the end of the story. <laughs> and then I love these next two words. I don't know if you underline your Bible, but if you do, underline these two words right here. But God. <laughs> but God. Guys, I don't know what you're facing today in your life, but God. <laughs> I don't know where you are in your marriage, but God. I don't know where you are, you know, financially or, or what struggles you're facing, but God. Don't forget about God. Don't forget that God is at work, that God has a plan, that God loves you, that God has a purpose for you. But God. Looks like Jesus is dead on the cross. Oh no, Peter says. But God raised him from the dead, <laughs> freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Skip over to verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made both this Jesus, whom you crucified. Right? Don't miss that. Right? You crucified. You put him on the cross. Our sins put him on the cross. Whom you crucified. He's made him both Lord and Messiah. The one you were waiting for. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Now I love that. They were cut to the heart because only the Holy Spirit could change a heart. Only the Holy Spirit could do heart work and heart surgery in us. Sometimes there'll be people, they'll come up after the service and go, oh, Pastor Jeff, you were, you were just speaking right to me today. And I'm like, well, I, it wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit. You know, if you're here and God's speaking to your heart, you know, and you go, oh, sometimes people go, when you said this, and I'm like, I never said that. I mean, you go back and listen. I, I, I never said that. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart. That's the Holy Spirit calling you and drawing you to God. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you or saying, hey, I've got a plan for you or a purpose for you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And here's all these thousands of people. And Peter, this ordinary fisherman guy, this guy who's never been to seminary, this guy just by the power of the Holy Spirit stands up and preaches about Jesus, and they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? <laughs> we realize, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Turn from your sins. Don't live that way. Come to God and be baptized. Now notice this, notice this. Baptism follows repentance, right? Repent and be baptized. Some of you were baptized as an infant. That's great. I mean, that, that's wonderful. But that's family dedication, right? That was your parents' decision. Your parents are like, hey, we're going to dedicate our child to the Lord. That wasn't your decision. 
But the Bible says repent, and after you repent, salvation comes, the power of the Holy Spirit, then be baptized. Some of you, God's calling you to be baptized. God's calling you to take that step of obedience. Some of you, it's like, okay, you know what? I need to give my heart and my life to Christ. I need to make a statement. I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. Some of you have done that. And now God's saying it's time to be baptized. It's time to make that public. It's time to let people know. It's time to say, hey, I'm on board. I'm on the team. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's the gospel. (laughs) (laughs) for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, how awesome is that? He's like, when you come to Christ, you're going to receive the gift. You don't have to figure out, you don't have to take a bunch of tests or a bunch of inventories. You don't have to wait years and years and years to study. The Holy Spirit comes in you indwelling all believers. The promise is for you, right? Verse 39, and your children and for all who are far off, For all whom the Lord our God will call. (laughs) With many other words, with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them to save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those, look at verse 41, how awesome is this? Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. You talk about church growth, right? I mean, they were 120 believers all gathered together in a room. And now on one day, 3,000 commit their lives to Christ. Incredible. See, this wasn't a small church, right? This was a big church, but God was moving and God was at work. All right, a couple more blanks to fill in. God's church is about changed lives. Guys, don't miss this. God's church is about changed lives. You don't just come and stay the same. You don't just show up to get a check mark. You show up to worship and to be transformed by the glory of God. Peter's life has changed. So he simply tells others what Jesus has done in his life. I mean, Peter, this guy who 50 days earlier is hiding, who's scared, is now standing up on the steps of the temple and preaching 50 days earlier. How does that happen? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter's life has just changed. And he's so excited about it. And it's not like you have to, you know, share your faith and you have to have all these kind of A, B, C, D, D, you know. um, No, 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 no. It's just, I want to tell you what God's done in my life. (laughs) I want to tell you, listen, where I was, I, I sinned, I messed up. But the forgiveness of God... Peter's going, I was reinstated. Jesus came to me and said, do you love me? I said, yes, I love you. You know, I mean, this, this thing, it's, it's real. It's true. This took boldness since they had crucified Jesus 50 days earlier. <laughs> I mean, think about that, right? They crucified Jesus 50 days earlier, the Romans and the Jews. And now here's Peter standing up and saying, hey, this is Jesus whom you crucified. Now, that took a lot of boldness, okay? Let, let's be honest. He's putting his life on the line. If you're Peter, you're probably going, if they crucified Jesus, why wouldn't they crucify me? But it was the power of the Holy Spirit <laughs> gave him that boldness. 
You know, sometimes you just step up and you go, okay, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this person I'm praying for them, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this email, or I'm going to encourage this person, or I'm going to just stop. And you go, I don't know how it's going to go down. I don't know if they're going to be mad at me. I don't know. But the power of the Holy Spirit works in those conversations. The power of the Holy Spirit goes before you. That's the power that we have in us. And it took boldness. The Holy Spirit changed lives, and God grew His church. 3,000 people that day. And they're all baptized right there. I mean, there was mikvah pools right, all around the temple. And they're right there. Baptism took place. And it was incredible. God grew his church. And the movement, ooh, the movement starting out, right? You could feel it building from 120 believers who were huddled in a room, who were scared. And all of a sudden now, the Spirit of God going out, and God is growing His church. Now, verse 42 through 47, some of my favorite passages, because this is the blueprint of the church. And guys, 16 years ago, when God called us to plant Rolling Hills, we were looking at this and saying, this is who we want to be as a church. This is what God's calling us to do and to be. And it says in verse 42, so think about this, 3,000 people now. It says, they've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they devoted themselves to learning God's word. You know, you imagine they're coming, they're hearing the stories about Jesus, the apostles teaching, the fellowship, being in community, loving on each other, iron sharpening iron, getting better, growing, to the breaking of bread, that's communion. It's sharing communion together and prayer. Prayer, they realize the power of prayer. They realized that hey, God had entrusted them with, with praying for their city, praying for their family, praying for other lives. Everyone, I love this, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. I love that. You imagine every Sunday they're coming and they're just like, God, what are you going to do today? What, what's going to happen today? What lives are going to be changed today? Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. You know what that means? They had a common mission. They had a common purpose. They had a common vision. They were locking arms together and saying, guys, let's go forward together. We're the body of Christ today. They sold property, verse 45 here, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, that doesn't mean they went and lived in a commune, right, and sold everything and had one, you know, washer, one dryer, you know. What it means is this, is when they saw a need, they said, hey, I want to meet that need. What it means is this, is it means this, that they saw people as more important than possessions. And they said, I got this possession. I don't need it. I don't use it. I'm going to sell it, and I'm going to give it to somebody in order to help make a difference for the glory of God. They changed their priorities. It wasn't just amassing more and more stuff and more and more things. It was like, hey, how can I make a difference in the lives of those around me? How can I serve? How can I give? How can I love? Every day, verse 46, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now, the temple courts, right, I mean, they were big. It was a big area. And so they had worship every day. They were like, hey, guys, we're just all kind of starting out on this deal, so we're just going to meet every day. You know, I know that Jews have... Shabbat, Sabbath, you know, that Friday night to Saturday. So Saturday is kind of their day. For us as Christians, it's going to be on Sunday because Jesus rose on Sunday. But hey, we're just starting out. We're just going to have worship every day. 
Every day, just 3,000 people show up. We'll meet over here at the temple courts. We'll find a little place, big place, and we'll all meet there. They met together every day. They broke bread in their homes. You see that? They broke bread in their homes. So they had corporate worship, and then they went and had community groups. That's exactly what they did. They had small groups, they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I love that. They were so happy. They're like, look at what God's done. Look at what's happening. The way God is moving. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. People around are like, man, I want to be a part of that. I want some of that. I want to be there. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily they're having conversations. Daily they're talking to people about Jesus. Daily God is moving and God is working. Now look at this. God grows his church through devoted disciples. God grows his church through devoted disciples. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The word disciple, a lot of times we see that word and we kind of go, oh, that's somebody in the Bible, right? They're a disciple, right? There's somebody who, they've got it all figured out, or that's somebody who's older and they're wiser, they're a disciple. Now, when you become a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple. The word disciple is used in the, in the New Testament 269 times. The word Christian, three times. <laughs> Why? Because God calls us to be a disciple. Disciple literally means learner. Disciple means follower. Jesus said, come follow me. You're on a journey. You're, you're, you're progressing. You're growing. You're moving. You're taking a next step. That's a disciple. That's how God grows his church. And they devoted themselves to the five purposes of the church. And I want you to see these, these five purposes. One, worship. Right? They met together in worship. That's why it's so important for us on Sundays and church is a priority. Because worship is my mind's attention and my heart's affection. And so we come and we say, God, I want to worship you. I want to set my mind on you, my heart on you. Because I live in this world and it's so easy for me to fall in love with the things of the world. It's so easy for my heart to run after stuff or things. But God, I want to worship. <laughs> And I want to worship you. Worship the Lord God. They did. Hey, they also did discipleship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And they were being discipled. They were, they were learning. They were growing. They also devoted themselves to evangelism. When we look at that word, we're like, evangelism, right? But evangelism is just telling your story. It's just sharing your faith. It's inviting somebody to church. That's, that's all that it is. And they devoted themselves to community. Hey, we're going to be in this together. We're going to break bread together. We're going to invite people over to our house. We're not going to worry what our house looks like. We're not going to worry about our furniture. We're just going to invite people over. We're going to have glad and sincere hearts. We're going to serve together and live together and make a difference together. And then ministry. I see a need. I'm going to meet that need. God's going to prompt my heart to pour into somebody around me. And I'm going to do that for the glory of God. And guys, this is what God calls us to. You know why? Because we are God's church today. Right? We are. I mean, think about that. All these movements that have happened in history, it's our turn. It's our time. 
And what difference are we going to make? See, we are called, we are called to be devoted disciples. One of the key words here, I think, in this whole passage is in verse 42, where it says they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They weren't just like, you know, part-time. They weren't just kind of, you know, hey, I'm going to sit on the sidelines and show up every now and then. They were in it to win it, right? They were like, you know what, we want to be participants. We don't want to be spectators. We want to be devoted for the glory of God. And these guys were in it, man. 3,000, and a lot of them are new believers, right? I mean, there's only 120 that walked around with Jesus. Now you got all these other people who are coming along, but they are just going, hey, look at what God's done for me. I was dead in my sins and transgressions, but Jesus took my place on the cross. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give my life for you. Man, they were devoted. They were devoted, and they were devoted to these five purposes, and we're called to live out these five purposes in our lives today. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, where are you in worship? You know, I'm so thankful that you're here this morning because it shows, man, I want to bring glory to God. I want my life to be worship. And so we come here on Sunday, but, but we don't just stay here. This isn't our only time of worship. We're called to live every day. Romans chapter 12 says this, Therefore I urge you, dear brothers, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That we live a life of worship. That it's not just on Sunday, but it's every day. God, I want to set my mind's attention, my heart's affection on you. And so when I wake up, God, I want to say, God, what do you want to do through me today? I want to live a life of worship. Of worship. Of discipleship. Of discipleship. Hey, for us, this is the time to grow in our faith. This is the time for us to jump in and say, hey, I want to be a part of a community group, or I want to be a part of a men's study, or I want to be a part of a women's study. I want to grow deeper in my walk with the Lord. That's discipleship, right? And then we come here, and we're studying God's Word, and we're diving deeper into the Word, and then we're living that out with other believers. And we have a small group that challenges us, that says, hey, you know what? Hey, how are you growing? How are you doing? And not just, you know, hey, how are you doing? Fine, move on. No, how are you really doing? <laughs> What's really going on in your heart and your life? Do you have those people in your life? That's discipleship, evangelism, right? A lot of times you hear that word and we're like, ah, oh, I don't want to do that. That kind of scares me. I'm not that kind of person. But it's so easy. You just look around and you say, hey, I can invite somebody to church. Or, hey, I can tell my story. Or, hey, I can pray for you. It's just looking for needs around you and meeting those. Uh, we started this thing a, a little while back called Neighborhood Ambassadors. And I don't know if you, you've seen this, but if you stop by Next Steps, you can pick up a little box. If you have somebody in your neighborhood who moves in, who's brand new, and you just take a box to them. And you just say, hey, I want to invite you to church. I just want to tell you if you have any questions about doctors or dentists. I know you've probably moved here from California, but you know, or wherever, right? But, uh, you know, I just want to tell you, you know, we're so glad you're here, and I just want to invite you. And so we have these little things. And so we had a person, like uh, our two houses down, somebody moved in, and so I stopped by. I got my little box from Next Steps a few months ago, and I, and I go over to their house, right, and I ring the doorbell, and they weren't there. And so I come home, and Lisa's like, what did you do? And I said, well, I went down to meet our new neighbors, right? I took a little box. I was going to invite them to, to church. And she goes, have you looked in the little box? And I'm like, 
No, I just took the little box. And she's like, well, you know, if you look in the little box, Jeff, then it has like a thing that says, hey, here's instructions for what to do. And it has cookie mix. You're supposed to bake the cookies before you take it out. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. So I just took them the whole box. I'm glad they weren't home. So anyway, so be sure to bake the cookies if you do that next step thing deal, right? So fortunately, we went back and baked the cookies and Shaw and Mary come to our church now. So they're awesome. So you see them say hi to them and tell them I ate their cookies. But anyway, so, but it's just simple things like that. Who can I see? Who can I invite? Who can I share? That's all evangelism is. And then you've got this community. And being part of the fellowship and being a part of the body in ministry. How can I help grow? How can I help serve? How can I help give? We're called to be living out these five purposes today. And that's the blueprint for us to look around and say, hey, I could serve. I could do worship one, serve one, or I can go on a mission trip. I can, you know, do this thing. You know, wherever it is, God, how can you use me? And then notice this we're called to be constantly pointing people to Jesus. <laughs> We're called to be constantly pointing people to Jesus. It's only Jesus who could change a heart and a life, guys. It's only Jesus who could change a heart and a life in your family or in your life or in my life. And I want to tell you right now, Rolling Hills, man, we are part of something incredibly special. God is moving. God is working. I love it. I mean, almost every week we're seeing people being baptized at one of the services, and it's just exciting seeing people making that next step and their spiritual walk and spiritual journey, new community groups are starting up. I love all the construction that's happening out here in those little windows. You know, you see all the kids are like peering in the little windows and looking, you know, and you're just watching God build and grow His church and grow our lives. You know, God has blessed us our Nashville campus and God gave us a new place right there at 440 and I-40. I mean, God just gave it to us. Uh, two weeks ago, this church in Nolensville just voted, and we have a, now we have 10 acres. Rolling Hills, Nolensville campus is going to be 10 acres right on Nolensville Road, and we're transitioning over there. I mean, it's like God's just going, here you go. I mean, things that are happening in Moldova with orphans. You know, last Sunday, so many of you sponsored kids, special needs children, and, and transitional living kids. We have over 800 now kids that are being sponsored, vulnerable children, in Moldova through Justice and Mercy International. God is using his church. And it's our turn. And it's our time that God would find us faithful. Hey, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. If you keep going in Acts, and I would just love to kind of camp out here all day, um, but I know you guys have things to do. <laughs> I don't. I can just stay here. So like, I don't know. But anyway, if you keep going, right, the gospel, it just comes alive and the church grows from 3,000 to 5,000 and just keeps growing. And then you get to Acts chapter 6 and 7. And then all of a sudden in Acts chapter 8, persecution comes against the church, right? But the people don't stop. The people just take the gospel wherever they go. And they go out to these different cities and they start planting churches. And some of you, I would love if you stayed at Rolling Hills for the rest of your days. I hope and pray that we could all do that. But, but if you have to move to a different city, find a church. <laughs> find a great church and use your gifts and your talents to further God's kingdom. And that's what they started doing. They planted this church in Damascus. And then there's this guy, Saul, right? Remember Saul? And Saul starts persecuting the church and trying to stop this movement of God. Can you stop that movement? Uh-uh, right? And so Acts chapter 9, Saul is going to try to persecute the church. 
And he's going to Damascus to arrest those who are Christians. And he's going into the city, and it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute the church? No. Why do you persecute me? Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. You want to know how closely Jesus identifies himself with the church? Guys, the church is the body and bride of Christ. And we are the church today. We are the hands and feet of Jesus to share the love of Christ with others. Fueled by the Holy Spirit, led by Jesus to make a difference today. And God has called you here for a time such as this. And oh, that God may find us faithful. Oh, that God may find us faithful. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. But maybe this morning, maybe this morning is a time just to repent. Maybe this morning is a time of salvation, saying, God, I need you in my life. I've been trying to live life on my own. And Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. I need you. Most important decision you'll ever make in your life because God has drawn you to himself. You know that voice you hear right now? It's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. And maybe for some of you, it's time to be baptized. You've been putting it off, <laughs> putting it off. And God's saying, it's time. Trust me. Maybe for some of you, man, it's time to just plug in. You've been kind of sitting back, sitting on the sidelines, and God's saying, it's time. Get involved. Get engaged. I want you to grow. I want you to mature. I want you to become all that I created you to be. So get in a community group or a men's study or women's study somehow that you are breaking bread and sharing life with others. So, Father God, here we are, your disciples today. And, Lord, we long to be devoted disciples. We don't want to just come to, to get a check mark, Father. We want to come to meet you, to fall in love with you, and to reorder our lives around you and your plans and your purpose. Thank you for your church. Thank you for this calling to make your story come alive in the heart of our world today. And the way you took this 120 believers, but the power of your Holy Spirit just transformed so many lives that over 2.5 billion people today would lift up the name of Jesus. And Father, that's us. And so, Lord, use us. Fill us, God, and use us for your glory. Don't let us miss it. <laughs> Don't let us get caught up in the world, the culture that we live in, that we miss seeing you move and you work. Thank you for what you're doing right here at Rolling Hills. Wow. Only you, God. Holy you. And help us to always remember, God, that you call us to live by faith. And you call us to go forward and take a next step for your glory. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. After this service, I'll be here. There'll be people on our staff, our pastoral care team. We'd love to talk with you. Love to pray with you. Whatever's going on in your life, guys, you're not alone. You're not alone. God is here. And God is here for you.
This time I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest in God's kingdom and for God's glory. And um, man, our God has been so good to every one of us. And this is a chance for us to be generous as well. And so if you're a first-time guest, all we ask is that you would give us your communication card. You could drop it in the basket. Or if you have a prayer request, write that down and drop it in the basket as well. We will pray with you and we'll pray for you. So let me say a short prayer right now. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit to transform lives, God, our lives. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church just like Acts 2. That brings glory to you, Father, and furthers your kingdom in our day and our generation. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray and we give. Amen. Amen. What is church? Is it a building? With some pews? A piano? And stained glass? Or is it something more? 2,000 years ago, the church was born. It wasn't made up of the famous, the rich, or the powerful. It was made up of everyday people who passionately believed in the message of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution of love and freedom that would change the world forever. In 369 AD, the church built the first hospital as a place to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Today, the church is the largest single provider of healthcare in history. The church was the first to stand up for the rights of children, creating the first and largest orphanage system in the world. 100 out of the first 110 universities in America were founded as Christian institutions. Places like Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, and Princeton. Much of the world's greatest art, architecture, literature, and music has been shaped by the church. But the impact of the church isn't just ancient history. Today, the church is stronger than ever. And continues to impact every corner of the world. Over 300,000 churches in America. And almost 5 million churches around the world stand ready to be instruments of change, to do what governments could never do. Every day, the church brings food and fresh water to millions of people across the world. It has a renewed passion to help widows and and orphans and fights to free slaves in every part of the world. It stands ready as a first responder on the scene to provide relief for victims of disaster. The ripple of Jesus' impact can be clearly seen and felt in the church today. And it's made up of people like me and you. Today, you didn't just come to a building. You came to a revolution 2,000 years in the making. The world is facing as much trouble as ever. But we are not afraid. We were created for such a time as this. We will continue to do what we've always done. Proclaim the message of Jesus to help a world that needs him so desperately. Welcome. 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 Welcome to church. Oh, guys, I'm excited what God's doing here, what God's doing around the world through his church. And so let's be the church, right? If we just go out and now... Let's go be the church. Hey, don't miss next week. We're launching a brand new series. It's called Anxious for Nothing. And uh, I'm pumped about this series, you guys. We've been studying and praying and preparing for a, a long time for this one. We're gonna walk through Psalm 23, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, but we're gonna talk about anxiety and worry and fear and how it just pervades our whole culture and especially in kids these days and all of our lives. And so how do we deal with that? And how do we deal with that in the name of Jesus Christ? So don't miss that next week. Also a great series to invite people to come to because I think there's a lot of people who are dealing with it today. Uh, let's be praying for uh, this hurricane that's out there and be praying for uh, churches there on the East Coast and let's be praying for safety and let's be praying that we would be the church today. Let's stand together and we pray a blessing over us and let's go and live it out. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word, for your truth. 
God, we love you. Father, now send us out in the name of Jesus to be the church. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Thanks for being here. Have a great day. God bless.